Hello and welcome to another episode of Unstoppable Overcomers. Before I introduce my amazing, incredible guest, I should have put her in the green room, sorry, before, but I just thought of something here. I, as you all know, I talk about my community a lot and I talk about uh, the homelessness situation that that we are facing. And now that we're going on our, what, fourth or fifth lockdown as Wednesday, I can just imagine what it's going to be like after Wednesday. Uh, so that being said, we are having a special episode Thursday night with uh, Dave Moda, who is heading up um, a, what do you call that? Um, this is why I wanted a flyer, but I didn't get one in time. On January 15th, we are hosting a uh, sleepout. And in that sleepout, he's going to be giving information on what he has for um, to rectify some of our problem here in Windsor, Ontario. And uh, he's going to have a model of the small house that he has built. And um, our goal is to build as many as possible and get people off the street. So um, totally something spur of the moment that came up. And I was just sh sharing tonight so that Thursday night, we will be having him on. Um, so if you have any questions for Dave, please feel free to uh, send them ahead of time or put them in the comments. And uh, with that, sorry, normally I don't normally do that in girl, So that's, that's, something, <laughs> that's something completely different. And uh, I am just super excited to have my girlfriend here, Inger, on the show. Uh, she is an amazing person and she has her own show on Friday mornings, which I was uh, a shout out guest this, this past Friday. Um, but Inger loves God and people. She is passionate about serving others and helping them to succeed in life. She is known for many as a storyteller and power connector as she uses storytelling to share her thoughts of Ubuntu. Ubuntu. Okay, sorry. I knew, sorry. I knew I was going to massacre it. Uh, positive gratitude, kindness, stepping out of your comfort zone, and also highlights inspiring uh, change makers, aiding others to connect with people and resources to help them flourish. And that's absolutely 100% true. Inger has connected me with so many different people. And if you don't know Inger, you should. Uh, she is definitely very much on LinkedIn and very much on Facebook and she is a power connector and I'm just so happy to have you here tonight Inger welcome to the show thank you thank you for that lovely introduction and thank you for having me here it's a privilege absolute pleasure so we have a little bit of love in the comments here we have Melody joining us from Massachusetts and I know that a bunch of others are, will be joining us at any moment. This house is usually rocking pack. So I know that it will be again tonight. So Inger, tell us a little bit about your overcoming story. Wow. Um, I, um, I was born with congenital hip dysplasia. So what that means is that both of my hips were displaced, um, at birth um, and they didn't discover it until I was about three months old um, when upon like they when they when they discovered it they decided to go with the course of action to um, try to rectify it but uh, most people that know about that condition know that those intervention procedures that they tried to use didn't work 
And they only know that now because after years of trying, right? Um, so basically what they did was they put my body in a plaster of Paris. So, you know, like when you have a broken bone and they set your arm in plaster of Paris, they set my body in plaster of Paris with just an opening for me to be able to wear a diaper. And I was three months old at the time. And then, um, you know, obviously, like, when your baby grows, you know, they and babies grow fairly quickly. So by the time I was, I think I must have been maybe two months after that, like, I was, my parents were at the end of their tether because I would constantly cry and I was, I was set to sit up, like I have pictures of myself in this cast, full body, like from my torso right down to my toes um, and just sit like that so that your hips can, they, they're trying to, you know, inter, have an intervention and try to f uh, correct the uh, correct your, um, the, con the dysplasia, but um, it didn't work. And um, I remember, my mom shared a story of like one day she and my dad took me to see the orthopedic um, surgeon to get this removed. And he said, no, we can't because it's not time to remove it yet. And they said, but she's constantly crying because she's uncomfortable. And he wouldn't. My parents went home and they tried to saw it off. Hmm. But it didn't work. Um, so I think probably about by the time I was six months old, they had it removed completely, but it didn't work. And so I grew up with this condition, um, and it caused me to limp and you know how kids are, right? So with, uh, with me limping, I was different, right? Um, I think... You know, I, I was always, I was always aware of it. I can tell you that um, because um, I had to go for x-rays every year and go and see an orthopedic surgeon every single year to see if there was any improvement and to assess my body. And um, I was always picked on by kids because of the lumping. Um, and, you know, if if we were playing in the playground and they were dividing into teams, I was the last one to be picked. Right. Um, but, you know, I used to say, but, you know, why God? Why me? And I remember thinking, you know, one day God actually showed me that I shouldn't ask that question. Because... Everybody's circumstances are different. Just because I'm there in that situation, it does seem like this is so huge. But um, you know what? It's it's part of it's part of life, and we all have difficult circumstances to face, and we we just have to overcome. And for me, my overcomer story has to do with that. But it's how I overcame my circumstances 
them, not physically, but in my mind. Right. Um, because, you know, when I realized that everybody has something that they need, that they face in life, whether it is um, obesity or, you know, being differently bodied or being blind or deaf, we have to realize that um, you won't get more than what you're supposed to. Um, because these are the things that um, that mold you into who you need to be, right? And I wouldn't be that, the person that I am today if I didn't face those circumstances. I, lo I love that you said that. I, you just, sorry, you just said so much here and there's uh, so much that I can relate to with your story. And I, first of all, I want to say that, you know, I can't imagine as a parent how hard that might have been for your parents to go three months seeing their baby in that much, you know, being in, whether it be yeah. discomfort or pain or um, did you, well, I mean, you were three months old. I'm not sure if you would remember if there was a lot of pain at that time or just basically mostly discomfort from from being held up like that the entire time. I don't remember it at all. Um, and I I actually have a good memory. Like I have memories from before I was two years old. I do remember certain things happening. Um, but yeah, I don't remember that. So thank God. I was going to say thank goodness for that, right? And yeah. The fact that you said kids can be cruel, and I, I totally understand, like, part of my story bullied all through school for my weight, so I, I totally get it, and, and you know, you see these people now, afterwards, and you're like, okay, you could say something back to them, but, but we don't, because we're better than that, and, you know, Every, like you said, everybody goes through something and we all go through something. So I think being kind at all times is definitely key, like you said. Uh, so I love that you said that. And yes. so how would you say, now I know you said the overcoming is in the mind, which totally, you know, the mind is 100% where it's at. And whether, when you, if you can overcome that, then you can basically overcome anything. Um, as mm -hmm. you know, right? And mm -hmm. so tell us more about that. How how did you have to overcome in your mind these situations and, and being bullied and things like that? Um, my mom used to say something that was so, uh, it really just drove me. Um, and she, like she, she didn't specifically say it to me but I've, I've heard her and I heard her like growing up, I heard her say that is um, you get to choose whether your circumstances make you bitter or better. And the choice is really yours. So for me, um, I remember, I think I must've been like grade six because I, I excelled academically, right? So um, the more I was bullied, the more I just um, flourished on my own and kind of allowed myself to shift my focus that way. Um, and, you know, I remember feeling, I always, I felt so persecuted, thinking like, you know, um, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, to to respond to that because I really don't want to retaliate 
And I used to think, you know, of things to say in response, but I would never do it. And I remember thinking, actually, I met a girl who was in a wheelchair. And I had an epiphany. And the epiphany was like, I can at least walk. She can't. Right? Like, so for me to say, why me? Why not me? Because we all face things. Right? So after that, I decided to change and to change the way that I, um, I allowed myself to feel in my heart. And instead of feeling angry and in my mind concocting these scenarios where I would be like standing up to the bully or whatever, I actually realized that I should feel sorry for them because they had no empathy. And, you know, who knows what they're going through. But I always, I just made myself think like, you know, like, like I'm going through this, they're going through something else, right? So who knows what they're going through? Exactly. And to me, I, I thought, you know, one of the lessons that I learned from that, looking back now, is that hurt people hurt people. So they were probably going through something on their own. That is so true. And, you know, I didn't learn that at an early age. You know, I was just a hurt girl back then and I stuck to myself and I lashed out on occasion. I'm not going to say that I didn't um, because hurt people hurt people. And it wasn't until I um, overcame my abusive relationship in my later years that I realized, okay, wait a minute. You know, obviously there's something inside of him that is damaged or not right in order for him to act out the way he would. And it, you know, when you're in that situation and you're being bullied or belittled or, or things like that, you don't really have a tendency to think of that right in that moment. But mm -hmm. good for you for not spewing out. I on, honestly, when I was young, I didn't have the filter. <laughs> Sometimes I still don't, but I'm a lot better than I was. Um, you know, and Melanie is says, you know, the bigger the struggles, the bigger your purpose. So that is so true. Um, you know, and, and I love how you incorporated, you know, God with that. And, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Well, I have a flips. I have an added thing to that with him mm. because you can't go through what we've all experienced in life and, and without the support from him. And in my opinion, so um, and you know, I, I love the fact that, that you said that and it, it is so true. Um, have you always had God in your life or is, is that a new thing or? Um, yes, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I, the, I gave my heart to the Lord. I think I was maybe seven. And then, you know, uh, I think I rededicated my life when I was 15. That's when I had like my own experience with him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's awesome. I, I didn't have, we came back, we had, we're an Anglican background, but we didn't go to church at all. So when I 
got left my abusive relationship is when I met God. So, mm-hmm. you know, I always, and then of course, you know, started going to church and everybody's like, Oh, I wanted, the, why can't I have that normal life? And it wasn't until somebody said to me, well, what is normal that I quit putting my own family down? Cause you know, <laughs> my family's quite eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you what we did on a Sunday morning one day, but um, it, it was one of those one of those families where love is always um, always present in our home. But we, you know, it, it wasn't until I became saved and, and dedicated my life to to um, to Jesus that things started to shift, and then it shifted in my entire household. Like it's my parents started, and now I'm working on my brother. God's working on my brother. (laughs) Yes. And I have to say that, you know what? Um, Yes, that person was right. Like, what is normal? And then, you know, the other thing is your relationship with God is very personal. It's between you and him only. Um, So, you know, like it can be, it's somebody can have like they can grow up in a home where you know they go to church but then they don't they choose not to um follow him right like it's just it's really a very personal choice exactly and and you're right it is a personal choice Mm -hmm. uh for sure all righty so how did you end up having your own business because you're you're a coach as well too right yes (laughs) um it took me a long time actually i it's so crazy i studied it and industrial sociology right um but i became an executive assistant (laughs) because i love people i just love to see them flourish and um you know for to see them succeed and yeah I became an executive assistant and I stayed there in the corporate world for almost 20 years. And I say I was stuck in the corporate world. I really was. Um, So in 2018, I lost my corporate job due to no fault of my own. And prior to that, I felt almost 20 years. I can hear feedback. I think is your sorry. I was starting to page ten, <laughs> so okay. get the ball rolling. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. So, um, yeah, I lost my job in 2018, and then, but before that, I really wanted to become an ex- uh, an an entrepreneur, but I was afraid to fail, and I call it my Jonah story. Because I felt like God was calling me to entrepreneurship for a long time. Um, But I just didn't want to go to Nineveh. (laughs) I was so afraid. Because, you know, growing up, um, success didn't look like entrepreneurship. Um, You know, you, you go to university, you study, you get a good job. And then, you know, you raise a family and... That's what success was, you know, in my mind, right? So entrepreneurship had nothing to do with that. And I think it was part of, 
you know, just a mindset shift that I had to go through before I became an entrepreneur. But anyway, um, in 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, I said, okay, Lord, I surrender and I'll start my business. So I registered my business at the end of July. And yeah, I, two weeks later, I started working with my first client. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. And what do you like best about what you do right now? Um, being heard and seen. That's what I like best. Because <laughs> working as an executive assistant, you're not really heard or seen. It's, you know, you're busy doing everything in the background. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, being heard and seen is what I like best. Because I get to, I get, I have a seat at the table. I, you know, um, and I say, honestly, I say, well, I didn't get a seat at the table, but I built my own table. And I'm inviting other people that are frustrated in the corporate world to come and join me at my table. Yes. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. And, and getting, like you said, getting over the hurdle of the fear and things like that, because oh, I never expected to be doing this. And I know you start your show with, oh, I hate video. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. It, you know what? Like you're stepping out of your comfort zone. You're, it confronts you with fear, right? Like that's what it is. And the fear can be debilitating. Um, and that's why I was stuck in the corporate world because it was my comfort zone. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, I just had a question come to mind. Mm -hmm. Growing up with um, the way your hips were and, and knowing that things were a little bit different than somebody else. Do you think that has actually helped you propel you out of your comfort zone to what you do now? Hmm. I'm sure it did. I, I'm sure it had a contribution to where I am. Cause like I, um, so I speak about Ubuntu, right? Which is, it means I am who I am because of who we all are. Right. And what that actually means to me, for me, like I actually take it a step further because I believe, you know, people say you're, you're the sum of the five people around you. And I believe even bigger than that, because I believe that every person that has come alongside me at one point or another in my journey of life, they have made a contribution, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, whether it's big or small. So, you know, and, and I also believe that your experiences also shape you into who you are. So, um, you know, with me being, you know, having gone through congenital hip dysplasia, I think what the biggest thing that it's contributed to who I am today is probably to be more curious and less judgmental. I love that. I love that. There is so much judgment in the world today. It's not even funny. And I have to remind myself to just scroll, keep scrolling. <laughs> because I mean, I, I, I saw, 
I saw a couple posts today where I could have just like see like seriously, and I'm like, okay, it's it's not it's they're obviously where they're at for a reason, and where yeah. we're we're at for a reason, yeah. um, you know, and the personal growth that we've each experience is different so you just have to love the people where they're at and sometimes that can be difficult especially when um oh, somebody i'm not sure who this is loves what we're saying um and it it's true though like and that okay so here's another thing that i learned really really well in, in uh 2021 expectations ah mm -hmm. cool. uh, yeah as soon as you said that, like, wow, right? Like, we all have expectations on our spouse, right? And and sometimes we don't even realize it. But yeah. you could be having a really crappy day, and all you want is a hug from your spouse. And your spouse looks at you and, like, wants to go watch TV or something. And yeah. you don't get the response that you want. And then you're upset. But it's the expectation that you had Yep. from that and that was one of the biggest things that i had to overcome in 2021 because i expected <laughs> my husband to act a different way and it's but i instead of acting out i had to like bite my tongue go to the bedroom <laughs> message my friends i'm like okay how do i get around this one how do i get around this one you know and and 2021 for me was leveling up like you said i just said this the other day we are the sum of the five people that we're surrounded with. So I have leveled up in 2021 and I surrounded people that are not, not going to quit on or will not let me quit on me and rise me up above my expectations. So I love awesome. that you said that because that was my biggest overcoming in 2021. Wow. You know, since you're speaking about that, I have to tell you, um, and this is like completely off topic, but okay. um, I've heard like, so, you know, we, people often try to pinpoint what is the reason that something happens, right? Like whatever it is. And I remember listening to, to somebody, I think they were a marriage counselor and he said, what is the biggest killer of marriages what leads to the highest rate of divorce and of course like people had all sorts of answers right but you know what he said and this is stuck to me like I, honestly i think this must have been like it's 2022 now i think this must have been at least five years ago and it stuck with me because it's so true and he's his answer is actually like because people say like finances um sex, another person, whatever, right? Yeah. But the answer is unmet expectations. Yeah, I believe it. And sometimes, well, most of the time, <laughs> most Gary of the, the goat. Time, hello to <laughs> Gary the goat. <laughs> most of the time, we, we don't level set our expectations, do we? A lot of people don't. They don't you know, they don't communicate what it is that they need from another person. But when that person does something, you actually have a lot of resentment towards them in your heart. But you don't realize that actually you didn't articulate that. So how can they know? Right? Yep. Yeah. 
and him says they live and and that is so true you know we have to remember that we're not mind readers so our spouses are not mind readers and that is so true and like i said one of the biggest things and okay so i got married late in life very late in life Mm -hmm. and so i was very um independent and um did could do a lot of things by myself so and very stuck in my ways so (laughs) i will admit and my husband's the same way only well in some regards and some regards not so i i had to really marriage has made me grow (laughs) to a whole new level um you know with what she said expectations and communication and my parents were married for 47 years and i could see in those times where their communication was there was a breakdown in communication Mm-hmm. And I was their, uh, what do they call that? The scribes. So I would go back to the other one back and forth until I finally had enough and say, okay, you guys are married. You guys do it. You have the conversation. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I could totally see, uh, hey, Russ. Hi, Russ. I could totally see that. Sometimes we don't communicate what they really are. Exactly. Oh, thanks, mm-hmm. Russ. You're yes. amazing too. Yes, he absolutely is. Absolutely. So that that is funny. Hmm. We've come from <laughs> we've come around in full circle here. Yeah, and I think it's very challenging. Um, oh, thank you. Same to you, Russ. <laughs> yes, a thousand things. Yes, I think it's very challenging um, to be married on a whole, but even more so as you age. Because as you grow older, you you know more about what you like and what you don't like, right? Yes. Um, so hats off to you. Like, I don't know if I could do it. I got married young. And I tell my husband all the time he's lucky he got me when he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, my husband's lucky I've gone through a lot of different things because some of the things that we've had, faced in our marriage, it's like I've already gone through it with somebody else so that mm-hmm. I could help him in, in some of those areas. And um, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, I tell, <laughs> I tell people, my husband is a little bit of my mother, my father, my brother, my uncle, and obviously his dad but uh like my husband's a combination of all of those put together so whatever i didn't overcome growing up i'm overcoming now (laughs) i love him i love being married but there are days that i would rather go sit in a corner with a good book (laughs) 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 book is not going to argue with you (laughs) I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> no, but I, the thing is, you know, um, Russ says he was blessed with a beautiful wife who puts up with him. <laughs> well, we, you know what? The thing is that we don't realize this, but we all have quirks. Everyone, no one is perfect. No. And, but, you know, of course, like, and if you look, you can live with anyone and their quirks will get to you, right? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a spouse because 
I can tell you um, when I was like, I was at university. I lived with a friend of mine. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh. Like, because she would use our common space as if it was her own space. And I'd be like, so where's my spot? <laughs> you know? Um, yes. Marriage is not easy. Yes. Yes. But, but um, you know, the one good thing about it is marriage is a commitment. Yes. It's every day you wake up and you decide that you're going to, first of all, love is also a commitment. Like you, it's a, it's an act, it's a doing word. Mm-hmm. It's a verb, right? Like it is, it's something that you have to decide that you're doing every day because you're making that commitment. Yeah. And um, for me, the commitment is not just to my husband. It's because I said those vows before God. And yep. it's that commitment that I made to him as well, right? So, um, but yeah, like living with anyone, yeah, <laughs> it can be challenging. <laughs> and when it's somebody that, you know, you're you're very close, in close quarters with, and now throw the pandemic into the mix, like really? I yeah. just came off nine day vacation. <laughs> yes. He was he he had to work uh half days for three or four of those days. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm used to like because yes. I'm gone at the house eleven hours and then I come into my studio and you know, we may have an hour or two together, but usually that's me cooking and him catching up. Like he's he has he's a supervisor, so he's 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 busy all day and he's uh, likes to just relax when he comes home, so which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, but he is the only man that can make me laugh like he does. Like I could be like really mad at him, and then he'll make a face, and I just start laughing. <laughs> and he's 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 good that way. It, I'm okay. So I at one point was uber serious, and he's kind of made me less serious, and I'm kind of getting him to go a little bit serious so <laughs> one day we'll meet in the middle but it's it's fun like you said marriage is i love what you said uh, it's marriage is choosing each day to be with mm-hmm. that person and to be committed to that person and to work things out um and, and you know it it's not like you said it's not always easy but it's worth it yes. and there's a saying it's cheaper to keep her so <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'll take note of that one. <laughs> I learned that from one of my, I think it was my brother. My brother actually said that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I've heard, I've heard people say similar things, but um, yeah, never heard that one. <laughs> that, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I won't go into the context of what it was for, but it was, uh, he was giving um advice to one of his friends who the wife was taking him for a ride and a half and he's like you know it's cheaper to keep her so that's what the context was in that like yeah welcome my friends Francis. oh that is no i can't get that out of my head oh <laughs> well okay so what other pearls of wisdom are we gonna hear from the amazing inger tonight my gosh, what amazing, like, 
just an ordinary girl from South Africa. <laughs> but, um, you know, something that I, that's really been a highlight for me this past year was just the people that I've, I've grown, um, grown with and gotten to know over the past year. And there's Russ and Tim and Ligia and you, you know. Um, and for me, like, community is everything. Yeah. Community is everything. I, I, I'm one of those people that um, I just love people. I can't tell you why. I mean, I've, I have been disappointed in my life. Mm -hmm. Right, we've all had disappointments, but and I have, I'm no exception. But I try to remember that it's a person that you know, um, and just try not to judge them. Yeah, so. exactly. So, how when uh, when did you come from South Africa to Ontario, Canada then? Because I know you and I are only like three and a half hours away from each other. Yes, yes. Um, I I landed here in 2006. Ooh. So, yeah, 15 years. Uh, it was 15 years this November. Nice. And it was a rude awakening. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Canada. <laughs> I, you know, like I told you, I landed in November. And I remember... Um, there were lots of things that I had to prepare, um, prepare like my mind for. You know, like people don't realize all the different things that are part of immigrating. Um, and I, I was young when I immigrated, but um, I will say, like it was. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like easy, you know, um, leading up to it. Um, because I lived, I lived in South Africa. I, I was born and raised there. And I remember like, I would, you know, I would be just going along my regular day and then I'd be like, oh, there's still that. There's this that I need to think about, you know? And I remember the, the worst thought that I ever had prior to coming here was I, I woke up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. And because I realized that the currency is different and I have to get used to different kinds of money. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, like you don't realize that there's so much that goes into, um, you know, just immigrating. And for me, the main thing when I immigrated was my mindset. I had to have that ready because after that, I've learned of so many who have immigrated here and then moved back to wherever they came from because they just couldn't. But for me, coming here, people said to me like, oh, it's so cold. Are you sure you want to go there? And I remember thinking, well, how cold could it actually be? Well, <laughs> I... Um, I found out one February day. <laughs> I, it was minus 11 this morning. <laughs> oh, that's nothing. <laughs> I, I'll tell you the story because um, it's funny. My, um, 
because our daughter, our eldest daughter was four when I immigrated here. And so I had to get up and take her to school. And even though, like, at that point, I wasn't working. It must, I think, yeah, it was probably early February. And I remember um, at that point, I didn't know that you're supposed to check out on the news how cold it is. <laughs> so I just got dressed like regular, you know. And I mean, I, I dressed for cold, yeah, you know. But anyway, I got dressed and I got my daughter dressed. And we walked out the door. And I think I didn't even go a full block. And I looked down at my daughter and I said, I'm sorry, my child. You're not going to school today. And we turned back and went back home. And my husband, um, at that time, he was working shifts. So he worked a night shift that day. So, you know, he, he was still sleeping. And... Obviously, I was cold, right? So I got undressed and I got back into bed with him. And he heard the TV because, of course, my daughter is now not going back to sleep. So he heard the TV in the living room and he says, why is the TV on? I said, because Dana's thing. He's like, she needs to go to school. I said, yes, but it's so cold. I can't. And he said, he's like, but what are you going to do when you have to go to work? I was like, I don't know. And he, I, I thought, this guy has no empathy for what I'm going through. And I said, where did you bring me to? And he said to me, he said, you need to get used to it because like, this is really like reality. This is what it's really like. And I said, but don't you remember I'm fresh off the boat? <laughs> and he just laughed at me. But I'll tell you, it was minus 42. Oh. Yes. Yeah, that's a little bit chilly to walk out with no coat, my dear. Yes. I was no, I was wearing a coat and boots oh. and everything. Like I was really dressed, but that didn't matter because guess what? Yeah. It was just so cold. Okay. So that's that's hilarious <laughs> that you said that. So on the weekend I went for a walk and it was three degrees Fahrenheit here. And okay. but when I come back, I my my body was cold. So I went to go give my husband a hug and he starts freaking out. Oh my God, you're so cold. You're so cold. And uh, so I was talking to my girlfriend who lives in Chicago and I said, yeah, it was three degrees. And she goes, you're truly a Canadian. And I said, you know, it didn't feel cold, but after walking for 45 minutes, my body, you can feel it on my body. Right. So she goes, she's spoken like a true Canadian. It's the only one I know that thinks that three degrees is not that cold. <laughs> and I'm just like, but the thing is, so you, so do you think in Fahrenheit? That's in Fahrenheit, yeah. Okay, so, so I need to tell you in in uh, in in Fahrenheit what I'm talking about because, yeah, okay, so it's minus forty three point six in Fahrenheit. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it got that cold there. Yeah, it was it was it was with the wind chill, but it was really that cold. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, and well, Toronto can be a snow belt or not. It's it kind of depends. It's hit or miss. Like London's a snow belt between yeah. the two, like it's in between the two of us. Yeah. Um, but winter, yeah, it's uh, winter's not too bad. It's just like well, Detroit, and it's funny that you said that because I have talked to so many people that are in Detroit and they think that we live in igloos. And I was like, seriously, dude? I said, it's the same temperature. 
Yes, because Detroit is right, right over the water. Yes, exactly. So it's it's, it's funny because I just said that actually on the last show. Somebody is like, well, what made you think that people actually think you live in igloos? I'm like, because they tell me. It's like, I don't I don't live in Saskatchewan or in, not Ninuit. I don't live up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, um, you know, being being from South Africa, I remember like people would say to me like, but you're not black. <laughs> I, I remember like that was people in the States that would say that to me. And then I'd be like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? But uh, because in South Africa, like, I know that I'm not black. I'm I'm of mixed descent, right? Like, so I don't identify as being black or white. I'm mixed. Um, but yeah, I was told that, that you're not black. And then I would, if I tell people that, I used to actually um, joke about being from South Africa and tell them things like, yes, I need to go and feed my pet lion. I'll be right back. And they believe me. <laughs> Believe me, yeah. there are some people that would believe that. I I totally get that. There are some people that would totally believe that. Yes. Absolutely, craziness. Oh my gosh, unbelievable. So I'm just reading the rest of here. Mm-hmm. Um. So tell us more. You have actually a couple shows, right? You have your Friday morning show. Uh, so tell us about that. And then you started another one too, didn't you? With five other people? With four other people, yeah. Four other people, sorry. Um, no, that's fine. Um, so my show is, like I said, I, I hate video. I really do. Um, because like, I hate the way, I don't know. Like, I just, yeah, I'm very, I think maybe because I'm just, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I just don't like video. Um, but the reason why I have shows is because I just um, I want to show up and and help others to you know to get to where they want to be. Um, and so my show is called Inspiration from Anger because I wanted to inspire people to be able to achieve their dreams um, and do things that they thought they never could. Um, and you know, I have a few. I have eleven pillar words, but the the word that I'm focused on right now is Ubuntu that I already spoke about. Um, and I don't know when I'll change. Like I thought about changing a few times, like changing my focus. But um, speaking about Ubuntu, which is basically about community and collaboration and networking. To me, that's a really important topic, and I think I still have a few episodes left for that one. Um, and then I have a show that's it happens, that, and that show actually happens every Friday. Um, and then I have another one that I started with four other people, and it's called Live with Five, and that happens um, every second Tuesday. We have an episode coming tomorrow morning. Um, and Live with Five is, the whole point of Live with Five is to affect positive change um, in the world today. And we do it through our superpowers because we each have a superpower 
um, that we feel will help people to affect positive change. I love that. All right. I love that. And yeah, girl, don't change it. I love it. I love it. The positive change and, um, you know, just like you said, community and connection is definitely uh, where it's at. And, you know, I, <laughs> it's funny because I really was more on Facebook until I made the switch kind of in May. May of, la- of last year, mm-hmm. and uh, all of a sudden, um, I got this prompting. I woke up, and God's like, LinkedIn, 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 and I'm like, okay, I don't know what's there. I just thought it was a place to uh, put my resume up there, get a job, and that's what I actually thought it was about. Absolutely not even close. LinkedIn is like a community. It's like a family, and it's like, can, like uh, Inger said, it's totally 100% connections. I met, well, Anchor through there, who's an amazing friend, and Russ and Tim, um, also Jennifer Sahari and Dr. Christie, um, I've met through there too, which are like, they're like sisters. And wow. it's, uh, def- and then I got like a whole other community out of, out of that, just from connecting on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, some of those, like all of those friendships, have helped me get through the toughest time last year. Like, wow. And I would, I would not have gotten through it as well as I did without, without everybody's support and connection. So if you think LinkedIn is a waste of time, I'm here to tell you that it's not, um, you know, because there is just all, a lot of powerful people on there that are just wanting to connect and to help each other and build each other up. And that's to me what it's all about. And I love that you're doing that. Thank you. I, you know, I have to tell you that, what um what you're saying about oh thank you i love you Ligia. um what you're saying about linkedin was the same for me i i used linkedin for years and i just i i had it there basically it was a reflection of my resume um you know and for people to see my recommendations and my skills like really that was what i'd use it for and i i didn't post and then I started posting in 2018, I think, before I lost my job. Um, and then I would just post, like, you know, randomly. I apologize. This, it's live and my dogs are barking. <laughs> well, I suppose you can't hear my stepson. <laughs> my husband just came home, so um, that's why they're barking. But... Um, so yeah, with LinkedIn, I use LinkedIn just randomly whenever, you know, whenever the inspiration hit me. And in January of last year, God told me that I needed to start utilizing it in a different way. And I started, I started on February 1st. And I I grew my LinkedIn like crazy. Um and not by me pursuing anything. It was just me giving. And that's what LinkedIn is about. Like anybody that thinks differently, uh, I don't know. But it's LinkedIn is about, you know, just connecting with people and giving. Yeah. It's about what you can give, not about what you can get. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you totally nailed it on the head. Oh, I did. I did share. Lady is there? Mm-hmm. She's absolutely amazing. 
Amazing, amazing, amazing. I, and I her here. I met I met her through LinkedIn. And um I've yeah, I there's so many people that I connected with that it's not just a superficial connection, but you know, heart to heart, right? That's okay. what life is about. Yeah. They people say B2B, but it's heart to heart. H2H. I love that. <laughs> and that's why I'm part of the nonprofit called H2HB, which is heart to heart business. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's another thing I have to ask because on your LinkedIn profile, you have the lion after it. What does that stand for? It stands for LinkedIn Open Connector, Open Networker. Ah, I've wondered because I've seen it a couple times, but I'm like, I have no idea what that means. I actually removed it um, a few a few weeks ago um, because I feel like there's a negativity around that, um, around people that use that. Um, and I feel like people keep you at an arm's length because you use that. So I removed it and I'll see what happens. Well, it's whatever you feel is necessary. I'm shutting the fan yeah. off because now I'm cold. Yes. <laughs> I turned mine away already. <laughs> yes, because we're sitting, right? Here we are in a minus 10 degree weather where we were both sweating before the show. And I had to put my fan on and I was having a yeah. hot flash galore. And yes, Canadian women get hot flashes. <laughs> yes, we do. Absolutely. And honestly, it's so bizarre. I never thought that I would ever um, feel this heat in in this weather, but yes, it happens. <laughs> it happens. Uh, and Melody agrees with you. Thank you. Uh, yes, and Ligia agrees. Uh, amazing communities about giving. Yes. The more we give, the more um, contentment we receive. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so. I have to ask, what is what is your um, word for 2022? It's uh, collaboration. Collaboration. I love that. So are there going to be more collaborative shows coming? Uh, I don't know if I have the capacity for a collaborative show, like another one. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I want to be able to collaborate and build with, with people like where it's mutually beneficial. Um, so that's why just build a community, see where it takes us. I love that. I love it. Um, what, about right. you? what about you? I know, I know I'm being interviewed, but can you tell me what's yours? Well, it's funny. I had, the word and I forgot what it was. So my, I think I'm trying to think of what I had a really good one the other day and it was all about, Oh, that's what it was. Allowing. Um, I have a mm. tendency to work, 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 and I don't allow the things to come in. Um, and I had a huge epiphany on New Year's mm. Eve morning where um, I am the oldest in my family and I'm the oldest daughter, sibling, um, and grand grandchild. And so my entire life was spent, everybody comes to me because I miss fix it. All right. And, and, um, this last season of my life, I mm -hmm. took a step back 
and um, my mom, my dad took care of my mom through like their entire marriage and they were together for 50 years and married for 47. And I figured that when he passed, I would have to take that over. And she has shocked me, but I've taken a step back and I've allowed her to be the person that she needs. And I've allowed my brother um, because my brother would do the same thing. Hey, Dorothy Ann, you know, I need help with this. Like he, he had kids. Um, I was never blessed with kids of my own, but I'm blessed with, with my stepson. Um, so I helped raise his children uh, to some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, auntie would always step in to save her nephew's bums well now they're 19 and 18 and they make their own decisions and some of the decisions i don't agree with but instead i've just allowed things to be as they are and i'm there for them when they need me and i'm there for my brother when he needs a sounding board and i've just stepped back and i've allowed them and as a matter of fact i haven't even followed up with them on the situation that they were dealing with before christmas and i just listened to both of them and i'm just like stepping back and it's i've never done that so in 45 years i've just allowed myself to be who i am without stepping in and it has been incredible actually (laughs) It's like a weight has fallen off my shoulders and um, because I used to be take way too much on and, but I realized by me doing that and by me being, um, what's the word? Oh, there's a special word for it. It starts with an A. I forget. Oh, it's like right there. It will come to me enabler when you're an enabler because that's what i was doing i was enabling them and in, in their mess um you know then you get caught up in it so i yeah. quit being the enabler i've allowed you want to make the choices you make the choices but you face the consequences of your choices by yourself wow yeah that that was another huge thing for me so i'm continuing now that i've recognized it like on new year's eve i recognize what i've been doing so now that i've recognized it i'm going to continue my 2022 with just stepping back and allowing what god has for me instead of having to control it to like the ninth degree because i'm kind of a control freak but i'm stepping back from that too (laughs) well you can you can now call yourself a recovering control freak that's right I'm a recovering control freak. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I can relate, but I think um, if I had stayed in South Africa, I probably would have been like you. But because I've been here and I left when um, one of my brothers was a teenager, I think. Yeah, I think my brother was a teenager, um, like 19. And the other one was 23. So, you know, when I left, they were younger and they had to be self-sufficient. But I know that because of who I am, I, yeah, it wouldn't have been that way if I was there. Yeah. So. Well, and and it's hard. And then, you know, 
you I should have there's some, some situations I should have got more involved in when they were younger but I didn't I was just allowing mm. and then now that I'm thinking back I'm like well you probably should have here but you probably shouldn't have here so it probably equaled out anyways in the end um and I can't go back anyways but mm. um all I can say is uh in the last couple of years I've really realized that our parents tried to do better than what their parents did and we tried to do the best that we could with what we knew and 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 i have to throw that part in is what we know because we only do the best that we can with what we know and then when we know differently we can change that and that was a huge since the pandemic hit that was a huge awakening for me because i grew up where my dad like was very strict like you never if you he said no the first time you never ever asked a second time ever <laughs> well, i'm laughing because i had the same kind of thing but my kids asked me yeah well, so i guess i'm not that strict yeah and well if you did ask again you got hit and i'm not i'm not saying you got beat no. but you know the kids mm -hmm. nowadays they ask and ask and ask and then you tell them to shut up and leave you alone and they still at you and it's just like you go into your corner crying and <laughs> <laughs> and you think what have i become this is not who my dad raised me to be and uh anyways yeah <laughs> so it's it's, to, um... it's funny because i i had to take a serious look um you know i, I took a serious look at my grandmother and my mom and I'm like, oh, that's why this is. And oh, that was huge moments for me in 2021. It's like I could I could see it. And I'm like, okay, we're breaking this generational curse off me because <laughs> this is where it stops. And uh, yeah, it, it was a powerful year in more ways than one. <laughs> awesome. My, um, I have a friend, my friend uh, Gail, she says this, um, when we know better, we do better. Right. Absolutely. I, I totally 100% agree. Because you I can't. Must. Yeah. It, well, like you said, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. So. Yes. Um, I was, so I was a lecturer. I, I know we want to wrap up. I was a lecturer and I, um, a lot of my students came from a different background to me. So when we would have discussions, yes. Insights can take time to come. Um, when we would have discussions in class, a lot of the time they came, they came with this perspective that we do this because it's a tradition. You know, we do this because our forefathers did it before us. Yeah. And I mean, this was a time when I didn't really use the internet for research. So I actually made up a story to depict for them how ridiculous that actually is. And I told them, and I, I, wanted, I would like to share the story with you. Um, there once was a young girl who was learning to cook from her mom and they were making a chicken. And you know, her mom took her through the whole part of prepping the chicken, cleaning it, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then her mother cut part of the chicken off and the girl said, mom, 
why are you doing it like this? And the mother said, ah, this is the way that your grandmother taught me. And the girl said, okay. So the next time she saw her grandmother, she said, grandma, I was learning to do this with mom. And she cut off this part of the chicken and I want to know why. And the grandma said, uh, that's the way that my mother taught me. And the girl was privileged enough to have a great grandmother to ask. So the next time she saw her great grandmother, she said, great grandma. I was doing this with my mom, learning to cook a chicken and she cut off part of the chicken. And, you know, she said that she learned it from my grandmother. And my grandmother said she learned it from you. So can you tell me why you did that? So the great grandmother says, well, you know, when I was a young girl and learning to cook, our ovens were too small. And that's why we cut that part of the chicken off. And I said, you see, the thing is, we develop traditions based upon our circumstances right now, right? Mm -hmm. But And then we pass it on to the generations after us. But if those generations just adapt or adopt those, those traditions, right? And they don't question why it is done. We'll just be people cutting off parts of chickens that we don't understand, right? We don't understand why we're doing it, but we're just doing it. Right. So you can question, you can you can always question why people do things and as long as it's done in a respectful way, right? right? But never, you don't just have to do things just because it was always done. Exactly. I love that. And it's funny because I was laughing as you're telling the story because I heard it, but it was with a ham. Oh, really? <laughs> And that time I didn't have the internet to be researching stuff. So like, I just thought about it off the top of my head. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> that is hilarious. I love it. Wow. I It has been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show tonight, Inger. Thank and thank you to our amazing guests uh, for coming for being here tonight as well. Mm. And I just have to say, is there any last words that you have for our guests this evening? Um, you know, I would like to say that, you know, we connect with each other um, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, whatever. And a lot of the time people just connect with you because you're adding to their numbers. But I'd like us to take it a step further and think about, you know, really think about the fact that that is another person, not just a number. And I want to remind you about what Maya Angelou once said. People will forget what you say and they'll forget what you do, but they'll always remember how you make them feel. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you. And I don't know of any better way to end the show than that. So <laughs> thank you again for being here. Uh, like I said, we do have a special episode Thursday night at seven o'clock uh, to talk about the homelessness here in Windsor. And perhaps we can even help the rest of the communities around us uh, eventually. Um, but I, and again, thank you, Inger, uh, for tonight. You have been absolutely 
It's my pleasure. Thank you for like, having what's, me. What's come out of our your mouth tonight has absolutely been incredible. And I do appreciate you being here. Another amazing show as always. And uh, with that, we'll wrap this up and we'll see you next Monday. Bye for now, folks.